Would you please turn with me to Matthew chapter 18. Let's look at verse 1 through 6. Matthew 18, please. At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them and said, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as a little child, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoso shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which, I, which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. As we look at these verses, chapter 18 of Matthew's Gospel is probably the greatest sermon that Jesus ever preached regarding life in the church among God's people. He deals with the discipline, the humility, forgiveness, how to treat one another, the fellowship of the Spirit, what causes disunity. But the very first part of this, I think, sets the very foundation for kingdom life. What I mean by that is life is a believer in Jesus Christ. We have a king. His name is Jesus. And we have a span of time called life between two eternities. And we have this privilege and opportunity to pursue holiness, to follow Jesus as his children. But we have to do it God's way. That's where we get confused. And so I want us to look at this. I, I pray that you will pray for me as I embrace a new series I want to try to deal with. And I've entitled it, Jesus Loves Little Children. And he does. And today we're going to talk about, the first message is the kingdom pattern. Little children are a pattern for the kingdom of God. Jesus loves little children, and we all are little children. The Bible talks a lot about children, the children of light, the children of God, and how Jesus dealt so much with little children is amazing as I begin to look at it. How he cast a demon out of a little child. 5,000 plus hungry people, Jesus took the provisions, not of some of the disciples, not of the, the, the overstore of the temple, but for what a little child had, two fishes and five loaves. What a blessing it is to know how God deals with the insignificant. What a blessing to see grace in all of this. But really, what could we offer God that was significant anyway? When we serve a God that says all the nations are as a drop in a bucket. A God that calls us as servants. And yet he says when you've done all, you're still unprofitable servants. 
What a blessing. What a blessing to joy in God. And I pray that God would help us as we look at these verses. I want to try to bring three points out of this if the Holy Spirit would help me. And he'll have to do it to make it any worthwhile. The first thing is that we find that children is the kingdom pattern as you're going to see that you're helpless and needy. Number two, that you're humble and hollow, empty, okay? And, and thirdly, that you're happy and secure. And I believe that is a good litmus test. How you relate to children, by the way, is a good indita- indication of your fellowship with God. I believe that. And I believe, too, that John Newton is probably right. John Newton said that for as the kingdom of God goes, there's probably more little children in it than anybody else. And I believe that's true. And here Jesus is saying, now, this is the requirement to be a part of the kingdom of God, to become as a little child. The world will tell us that if we wear a mask and we get vaccinated, then everything's going to be all right. The church will tell you that if you're baptized and and that you give to the poor, that you're going to make it. But Jesus says you got to be like a child. You got to be humble. You got to be helpless. You got to be hollow. And all that, when you really put it in the right perspective, you will be happy because you will be secure that you have a God that loves you. God is responsible for you. And we need to embrace that. And we need to not be ashamed to be little children and rejoice in His great salvation. Now, you know, I stood in the mirror today. I got a black eye on my right eye. I don't know why. I don't remember, don't look at Penny either. Uh, But I don't know, I crawled around yesterday under the house a little bit, trying to cut some poison ivy out of azaleas and and all that. Maybe I hit it, I don't remember. But I stood there and a part of me said, well, why do you want to get in the pulpit with a black eye? You know, I think we need more black-eyed preachers. And I think, too, that there's so many Christians, you may have a black eye. There may be some sin in your life that prevents you from really being a little child and and coming to God as you ought to. Maybe somebody has said something to you or did something to you that maybe you didn't deserve, but that's kind of like a black eye and you want to hide from it. You know, when I stood there this morning for a moment, And seeing the Randy come out of me, I thought about my Savior and your Savior went to the cross and he suffered and he died and he took whip marks before then and he took the lashings and he took the cursings and the slapping and he took the nails and he took the spear. And you think I'm going to slide back from some black eye or you think a Christian can say, well, this I messed up so I can never be used of God. That is not a kingdom thought. That is not how a little child thinks. I pray that God would help this be a revival message. How many of us would not like to be little children again? 
I'm going to say there's little children in all of us. I mean an innocency. If we could go back, if we could see that, that freshness and eagerness and that simplicity. If we could not have all the prejudices that we were born or that we learned. If we could just unlearn some things. I'll tell you there's so many things I wish I did not know. I wish I could just be a little child. I wish I could just understand like a child who Jesus is. I'll tell you the truth. In my office, I have sat under the conversation with little children who wanted to be a member of this church. I'm talking about five and seven and eight and ten-year-olds that have been able to explain to me what Jesus did for them, what their salvation was, better than so many adults who have sat there and questioned baptism, wondering if they're going to be committed enough, wondering if they were good enough, not a little child. I believe that if I said this morning, everybody in this room, if I ask every little child to raise their hands if they wanted to follow Jesus, they would everyone do it. If I ask everybody in this room to do it, so many of you would be reluctant. You would think this preacher is trying to manipulate you. You would think somebody's looking. You would be wondering. That is something that you have to do. You would question it. Not a little child. Oh my goodness, the purity of that. And so what Jesus is saying here, you become a little child if you want to be the kingdom. Now see, this text also proves that a believer, yes, you and me, who have been saved by God's amazing grace, still we have to be reminded and be taught the lessons, what sin will do in us. We still have unredeemed sin. Notice these disciples. These are apostles of God. If they were not saved men, I don't know who were. Yet, notice what they were bickering about. They were not saying, Lord, help me suffer with you. Help me, oh God, be humble. Help me, oh God, be a servant to you and all. What they wanted was to be great. They wanted to be noticed. They wanted their rights. And you know what? There's a little bit of that in all of us. We're going to look out for number one, aren't we? There's a part of us. But Jesus said they were looking Who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus said, bring me a little child. <laughs> Jesus is doing as his master teachership does. The ultimate teacher. He's going to use a picture. Can't you see the Lord sitting there with that little toddler probably? And he says, you want to know who's greatest? You want to know how to be a part of the kingdom of God? You look at this little child. You look at this little child. Because that is how you got to do it. And it's not a matter of if in some other way. Jesus says there's only one way to God, and that's through me. He says in another gospel that he that receiveth me as this little child, as comes to this little child receiveth me, receives God. So we have to understand that what Jesus is saying, you have to come as a little child. First, that you're helpless and that you're needy. And everybody has to embrace that. That we have to be helpless and needy. We can't have it our own way. We, we got to take our big boy britches off. We got to say, you know what? I'm just a little child. I have nothing. 
I am nothing. I have no righteousness of my own. I mean nothing to God. God has blessed me. I cannot bless God until he blesses me first. What a, what a thought that is, I think. Not to not even think about Jesus bringing this little child. You know, a child is so helpless. And that's how God is saying, now this is a pattern for the kingdom. So what Jesus is saying when he says, bring me the little children, that child has to be brought. And if you come into the kingdom of God, you're going to have to be brought there. You cannot come there yourself. So it's not a matter of you having to say, well, let this child become like a man. No, it's just the opposite. Let the man become like a little child. What we need to see is how we, by God's transforming grace, can make us grow down, not grow up. How he humbles us and makes us holler and needy and helpless. And what a blessing that is to see this in our ways. To see the helplessness of childlikeness. Now, as we look at these series on childlikeness, I pray that God would help us see this. One of the texts I plan to use for a point is prayer, childlike prayer. And I'm talking about this is for big boys and girls. I mean, I think of King Saul, or King Solomon, rather. King Solomon, remember in 1 Kings 3, I remember, I think that's the right place. He was taking the kingdom over from David. And you remember he prayed a prayer. And he said it like this, so to speak. He says, oh God. I need you, is what he say. I am needful. I am helpless. He says this, this great man of God, this king, said, I am like a little child. I do not know how to go in and come out. Oh, God, give you wisdom. Give me wisdom. That's how we need to get. Don't you think that you know everything? Don't you think that you've got to have it all your way? you got to be a little child. You know, I talked to Sister Irene, I hope it's okay to say this, was telling me a while ago, she said, you know, Brother Randy, I just been practicing with Kai and said, it's just so wonderful that, that he's teaching me so much and I'm able to, he said, I just really enjoy working with him. Now, here's a lady that has played the organ for how many years? 72 years. Played the organ. Kai just got here. And she is saying, I'm learning from this guy. That is childlikeness. That, you know what, we have the idea, well, what, what if Sister Irene said, well, you know, I've been playing the organ for 72 years. Who's going to teach me anything? I tell you what, you get to the point that you're not learning, you get to the point you're not learning, you're going to quit growing. You're going to miss so many blessings because children, have that freshness about them. They're eager to learn. And so we need to see this. We need to see that little children see their helplessness. They need to know that they're, 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 they're eager to learn. They have no prejudice. You put little children together, and it doesn't matter if they're black or white or brown or yellow. You know what? They're going to play together. It doesn't matter if they come from rich families or poor families. That's how it is. That is what? That's childlikeness. Now, there's a difference. Now, as I get into this series, 
I want you to know with me, there's a difference in childlikeness and childishness. You know, we can be childish. You know, uh, I mentioned Saul. That's where I'm at. Saul, King Saul was childish. You know, he got so envious of David. Run the man crazy. He ended up taking his own life. Um, then in, in, in the book of Esther, uh, you remember Haman. You know, he, he was going to be great, he thought. And he ended up pronouncing his own doom. That's what he did. And Randy, Randy Waters, I mean, you know what? I got some childish in me. I mean, I hate to tell you this, but, but it's, it brings out the childish. I mean, it's been a few years ago, thank goodness. But I had a cow in a chute. And I was fooling with it some, and that cow kicked me, and I kicked it back <laughs> with tennis shoes on. I about broke my foot. <laughs> Nobody was out there around me, man, I'm so thankful. I walked around thinking, Randy, you are a fool, son. Why did you do that? I have never kicked another cow. But there's things we do, and you got them too. It might not be kicking a cow. Well, you do some foolish things. I mean, that's not the smartest thing I ever did. It's not. But, I mean, we see there's a difference in childlikeness and childishness. What we're talking about, what Jesus is teaching, is childlikeness. Be a little child. And what a blessing that is to see that. I believe that I've learned more from my children. And you have too from yours, your children, grandchildren. What a blessing. And the older I get, it is true. I think there's even said you become more like a child. I mean, you see how weak you really are. And you're not bulletproof like you thought you were. You need God. You need strength from Him. And you, you see that hollowness that only God can give. And the only happiness is not money, it's not health, it's not status. It's the fulfilling of the peace of God that passes understanding. And it only comes when you're willing to trust Him and cling to Him and believe Him as a little child. Now I want to tell you a true story. That taught me something about God's grace. I was not a preacher when this. Yeah, I think I just had started preaching, actually. Kelsey Sue is my daughter, granddaughter. Yesterday was her birthday. Happy, happy birthday, Kelsey, again. Well, when her and Caroline, Kelsey was three, Caroline was one, and we had the, the blessing of them coming into our home. But they came through kind of a black-eyed way, in a sense. Their mama had dealt with drugs and addictions, and she loved them. She loved them as much as any mother ever loved the kid. But I don't know if you've ever experienced it, but addictions can separate a mother from their children. They can. It can do it. And, and so they went on a trip with their mama, and we tried to talk them out of it. And so they got somewhere up in New Jersey. And because of the drugs and because of the... the, 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 the the party they were with, the, the kids ended up being abandoned. And I got a call from a police officer in Camden, New Jersey. I still, I still remember it. And he said something like, Mr. Waters, this is officer so-and-so. We have two little girls in our office. Now, you're talking about a heartbreak? You're talking about you just forget everything else. He says, 
we had to take them here. And their mother was so-and-so. But he says, here's the deal. Either you get here in 24 hours or these kids are going to have to go through defects. And it could be months before you get them. Now those little girls had nothing to do with where they were. They had nothing to do. You're talking about helpless? You're talking about a situation where they were needy? They were there. Can you imagine two little girls abandoned in a motel room by themselves, three and one years old, okay? And so, so I, I didn't have to think. My wife, Penny, made a, pl- a plane trip from Savannah. I flew. I talked with the defects guy, and he said, I will be at the airport, and I'll hold up a sign. I flew to Philadelphia. He, he was there. I went to his office, signed some papers, and we drove over to a foster place where the girls were having to be kept temporarily. I walked in that room. I never will forget this. Never. And I saw Caroline was so weak from malnutrition, I don't think she could hardly respond. But Kelsey, when she saw me, she jumps up, and she runs to me, and she wraps her little arms around me, and she would not let me go. She didn't decide or think that, well, is this guy going to be able to help me? She didn't say, is he going to be strong enough to carry me? Is he going to be mad with me because I'm here? No. She clung to me so much so that I could hardly get her off of my neck to put her in the car seat when we, to go to the airport. But I'm, my point is, I'm, my point is, those girls were helpless. And we have been in those cases of helpless. It might have been in life, maybe the sin of Adam, whatever it is, we're all sinners, circumstance of life. God the Father, because we're all His children. He has adopted us, and He brings us. And what we need to do is cling to Him and trust Him as childlikeness. And I'll tell you, it's been a blessing in my life. Kelsey and Carolina Faith, Penny, how they did it all, I don't know, Sarah and Jennifer and all my grandchildren. Man, it's a blessing. And you got the same things. But I wanted to say that because it brings it in my heart. That is what it is. It's needy. It's understanding our need, need of God. So helpless and needy. Humble and hollow. You know, we need to understand that God is serious about children. He tells Israel in Ezekiel 16, He says, you have sacrificed your children. There was a time when they were using little children to to be sacrificed to the pagan gods. And he says in Ezekiel 16, he says, you have taken my children, God's children. And is this a small matter, he says. When we think of God and children, I believe, There's a lot of evidence in the scriptures that every baby that dies goes to heaven. I can't can't say all the clarity of it. It, They don't go to heaven because they're innocent, because they were conceived in iniquity. We're all sinners. Yet they have not committed a a known sin in that way, but they go to heaven. They go to heaven, they die rather, death of a baby, and we've lost a baby. That guy is in heaven right now. I have seen him there, friends. I know he's there. I'm going to see him again one day. 
And it's not because a baby is innocent. It's they die. That's proof of the, of the sin of Adam, how a baby dies. But we understand that, that they're in heaven. And they're there because not of their own righteousness. They're there just like you and I because of the grace of God. God's grace. They have the righteousness of Christ. And somewhere, I believe, between the death of an infant, whether that's in the fetus or a baby, a toddler or whatever, somewhere between that point and heaven, there is a spiritual birth, a rebirth. Because God says, Flesh cannot take on spirit. It has to be spirit, and God does that. And so God is serious about it. When you think of David, when his son died, and he says, I can't go to him, or says, or says he can't come to me, in 2 Samuel 12, but I will go to him. What a blessing that is to see that. When does life begin? It's an age-old question. Life begins according to God, at conception, Psalms 139 makes that clear that God fearfully and wonderfully makes us and in my inward parts knew us before we were. So God said every woman that has become pregnant is a mother, whether that baby is ever birthed or not. And we need to see that as we think about how many babies have been murdered through abortion. We need to see that in the church. And sometimes I think we just write that off. But Jesus says these children are precious to me. And they ought to be to us. So we need to be humble and hollow. And we see that. You know, things that humble us. I'm talking about grown adults. I think, Brother Gerald, it'd be okay for me to mention a visit I had with your son, Ken. Ken Whitaker, I have so much respect for him. I was visiting him the other day. And uh, as you know, he hasn't been able to walk in a while. Ken Whitaker's much of a man. You're talking about an outdoorsman, a man that can shoot and love the outdoors and hunt. He and I were standing there, sitting there, he was laying, and I was standing beside his bed over the compass. And we just talked about those times when he was able to go. And he told me something there, and I think it relates to some of us guys can see this already. He says, you know, says, I used to hunt so much. And he said, when I lost my son, he lost his son in a motor accident. He says, I went deer hunting that next Thanksgiving or whenever it was. So I come back and said, well, his wife Lee says, did you get anything? He said, yeah. She said, well, you don't seem to be excited about it. He said, I'm not. He said, what do you mean? He said, you know, I shot that buck. Had a nice rack. He said, I went over there to it. and said, I looked in its eyes. And it was sitting, laying there gurgling, dying. He said, I cried like a baby. Ken told me that. He said, I cried like a baby. He said, I don't want to ever kill anything else. Never. You see, you see what I'm saying? My point is, you know, the humbleness of our childlike faith brings us to understand that the only hollowness, that the hollowness that we have, only God can fill it. And what a blessing that is and what a joy that is. I'll tell you, little children might be low in stature. I'm talking about the natural little children. 
But to be a part of God's kingdom, we're going to have to be low in spirit. We're going to have to be humble. One thing God hates is pride. And these, these apostles, these very apostles, have the audacity to say, you know what, who's going to be greatest? What's in this for me? I'm going to tell you, when we get to heaven, you know what, we're going to all go there. As if we never did anything virtuous or we never were committed to Christ. You heard what I said. When we go to heaven, when I get to heaven, my God's grace, I'm not going there because I was a preacher. I'm not going there by any tried to sermon I've tried to put out. I'm going there just like a little child that has nothing to offer God, that only He and only Him can fulfill that what I need. And what a blessing that is, and what a joy that is. What strength that should give us. See, it's not about us getting good enough. Some of you are thinking about joining the church, but you're wondering if you're good enough. You're wondering about doubts and fears of following Jesus. Won't you just do it like a little child? Won't you just say, well, I'm going to just do it because Jesus said did it. I'm trusting. Won't you just cling to him like Kelsey did me up my neck? I mean, he will carry you where you need to go. And then lastly, happy and secure. True trial likeness, we're going to find happiness, friends. It's not going to be in the high and mighty. It's not going to be how religious you are. <laughs> it's not. You're going to have to be like a little child. You're going to have to come to God on God's terms. And when you look at it, that's all you are. A little child. And that is where your happiness is. Because when God gets there, it's going to, just, it's going to make a difference and bless you in the way. God says in Isaiah 49, he says, can, he asks the question, can a mother forsake her sucking child? Then he answers it, yeah. That can happen. It happened in my family. And then he says, yet God will not forsake thee. God is not going to leave you. Now he may chasten you because you were his. You're his child. He loves you. He's never going to let you go. And when you come to understand that and just give it to God, cast all your care on Him, you're going to be happy. Trust Him. You'll be able to learn contentment with what you ever think you have. You can answer questions when you ask them like a little child. You know, you don't have to understand doctrine to be saved. You don't. You don't have to know all about predestination and election. What you need to know is to be like a little child that Jesus died for me. My little granddaughter, Emery, three years old, walked by the little cross I got me on. She said, I didn't say a word to her. She said, Jesus died on that cross. Noah, my grandson Noah, Jennifer said she, they were doing a Bible study at home and about Jesus when the adulterous woman was brought to him and he wrote something on the ground. And uh, said, cast the first stone. You remember they all walked away? And Noah said, you know, a child, I, I have been in teaching situations over at the camp and other places here. Little children just, they know so much. If you just let them go where, where God takes them, 
And no one said, um, so Jennifer said, Mama, what was Jesus writing? I, I, never heard, I never heard the greatest preacher explain that. I don't know. God doesn't say. But Noah said this, so, so his mama said. Noah said, Mama, I know what they were, he was writing. He was writing their sins on the ground. I told Jennifer, that's the best answer I've heard. I mean, just from a little child. I mean, see, see Jesus crucified is not a riddle for a rocket scientist. Jesus crucified is truth for a babe. Because God said, I have not given these to the wise and prudent, this revelation, but to the babes, the little babies, the little ones that, that come needy and helpless. They come humble and hollow, empty of themselves and say, fill me. They come happy and secure. And when that happens, you can enjoy God and the fellowship with God like you've never had before. You try it. You might like it. Hey, I can take my grandkids now, Jackson and Emery. We can ride to my pasture and, and you can take them to a bale of hay. And you can let them play on that bale of hay and they will think, you will think they will in Disney World. I mean, it's, it's just great. I mean, I mean, what about us? I mean, we, got, we are so hard to please. But a little child, why are they like that? Because they have somebody, they have their parents, their grandparents and both sides or whatever. They are secure in that. You need to be secure in God that Jesus died for your sins that he is your father, that he is going to take care of you. Whether we have a pandemic, whether we have a, a loose goose, whether we have a, a, a tragedy, but you are God's. You are his child. And childlikeness is how we need to respond to folding in his arms and embracing his almighty grace as a little child. May Lord, the Lord help us. As Jesus gives this pattern, it's what Jesus said. Preacher's not making this up. You be a little child. Childlikeness means Christ-likeness. Jesus came as a little child. Actually, in Acts, he's referred to as a holy child even after his ascension. May the Lord bless you. Would you bow with me? Lord, we thank you for this day and for the grace of childlikeness. Thank you, Lord, for giving us your word. And help us, Lord, to give you ours. The desire to be more like little children. Thank you, Lord. Give us a learning, yearning heart. Impress on us the desire and the reasons for humility and understanding. We need you, and that we have you, and all the happiness of the world cannot compare with the happiness of being a child of the King. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.